helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. According to the preamble to the Constitution of the United States, one of its purposes is to establish justice. Today, the very idea of justice seems to be a confusing issue. We have social justice, racial justice, economic justice, but all these claims of quote-unquote justice are actually calling for the destruction of justice. According to Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary, justice is the virtue which consists in giving everyone what is his due. Yet all these claims of adjective-based justice are nothing more than feeling entitled to take from others what is their due. What's worse, it seems the very idea of liberty and justice for all are crumbling in American society. So let's take some time. Let's take a look at some examples and, and see maybe there's something we can do to reinforce the idea of justice in ourselves and in our society. Well, hello there, Everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study. Yes, this is where we read and study the Constitution. We also teach the rising generation to be free. And I'm glad you, you joined me today. You know, th this idea of justice, I think it's an important one. And I think it's one too many people brush off. You know, we think of justice when it comes to, well, the judicial system kind of goes along. You look for justice when you go to court or when you're dealing with the judicial branch of any government. But if, if Noah Webster is correct, well, then justice is more than simply getting a, your day in court and, and coming to a, a just conclusion of a trial. It's about living your life in a way that recognizes that other people are due things and, and giving to them what is their due. Now, I started thinking about this as we were dealing with a lot with social media, because there's a lot going on in social media. There are actually a couple of court cases that really caught my attention when we started talking about justice. I'm sure most of you have heard about uh, Missouri v. Biden, where the states of Missouri and Louisiana are suing Biden and his administration for censoring, colluding with social media to censor uh, posts and, and videos on social media platforms. And that case is still moving through the courts. But there were a couple more that really, th they caught my attention because they looked at it from a different point of view. This, these, two, these two cases deal with government officials blocking people from access to certain social media accounts. Now, the cases are Linked versus Freed and O'Connor Radcliffe versus Garnier. Now, when it comes to social media, I have to admit, I have a bit of a, of a love-hate relationship. See, on the one hand, these social media platforms help me put content in front of thousands of people I wouldn't normally see, I wouldn't normally have access to. They allow me to post articles, videos, and podcasts on their platforms, usually either for free or, in some cases, a small fee. That's a tremendous boon for the information age, but many of these platforms not only censor some of my content, but have blocked my accounts entirely, preventing me from using their services. These are private organizations, so I don't really have a legal problem with them censoring content since 
Uh, these are their platforms, not mine. Still, the two cases I want to look at, they, they highlight what I believe are some really dangerous misunderstandings about social media. A reading from Link, uh, I found, the dialogue between public officials and their constituents is fundamental to our democracy. Much of that conversation now takes place online, with social media platforms serving as the new town square, where public officials provide important information about what they are doing on the people's behalf and soliciting comments in return. So, First of all, yes, the United States and each of the several states are republics, not democracy. Now, I've dealt with the reasons why, and I've covered that before, but think about it this way. There's a fundamental difference when we're dealing with this particular information. You see, if we're a democracy, if we actually voted on legislation, well, then our need to dialogue with our ele elected officials, our elected people holding public office, would be, well, it'd be diminished, right? Because we'd be directly involved in, in the legislative process. But we live in a republic where we elect people to represent us. And as such, it's even more important that we be able to communicate, dialogue with these officials. There's another big problem, and that is this idea that the, of social media being the town square, or as some people like to call it, the public square. Now, the most fundamental problem with this is uh, social media is not publicly owned, but privately. See, when, when someone posts something on social media, it's not the equivalent of, say, posting a broadside outside the county courthouse or, or in the town hall or on the town square. No, 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 no. It's much more analogous to, say, um, having your neighbor say that uh, you can post messages on their fences that borders their, problem, their property. Now, there's also still a problem, though. See, those metaphorical fences, they're on private property, which means I need permission from the property owner to get to the fence to either read, post, or comment on a post. So the very idea of, of claiming that, the, um, that social media is the public square, it, it turns it into a privileged access uh, uh, product, not, uh, not truly public. See, while these cases both deal with individuals blocking access, guess what? Those companies can block access. Think of it this way. How many uh, uh, localities post public information on Facebook? I'm not allowed to be on Facebook. I'm, I'm literally, I'm banned from Facebook. I can't even create a new account on Facebook. So how am I supposed to gain access or interact with them? I can't. Now, Mr. Kadim, who was the attorney for Mr. Lint, uh, he went on with a, another common misunderstanding that's often used in the legal profession, right? He said, while public officials retain First Amendment rights, use of private social media account does not immunize an, an official's conduct from First Amendment or constitutional scrutiny. Uh, this is a, uh, a, a, a city manager. Mr. Lint is a city manager, meaning... He's not doing this under Congress, right? Because the First Amendment starts, Congress shall make no law. As a city manager, he's not a member of Congress. This action wasn't taken under a law created by Congress. So there's no First Amendment violation. What we have here is a violation of Article 1, Section 3 of the Michigan Constitution, which reads, the people have the right peaceably to assemble, to consult for the common good, to instruct their representatives, and to petition 
the government for redress of grievance. So if there's any violation, it's Michigan Constitution, not the First, not, not the first Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Now, in the other case, uh, uh, Mr. Mupin, who's attorney for Ms. O'Connor Ratcliffe, who's one of two members of the Poway Unified School District Board of Trustees, well, he'll approach this argument from the other side, that of the government official. The individuals who hold public office are still private citizens, too. When acting in their personal capacity, they retain their First Amendment rights to decide who can participate in a community discussion that they host on their own property. They are thus free to block users from their personal social media pages unless they choose to operate those pages in their official capacity instead. Now, there's a couple of interesting points here. See, um, yes, Mr. Mupin makes the same First Amendment mistake, but that's that's literally drilled into attorneys uh, uh, in law schools, drilled into their heads. But there's another point here that he made, um, that I believe he made a, a mistake, and that is, is a social media page private property for the account holder? Mm, sort of. You see, the property, as defined by Webster's 1828 Dictionary, is the exclusive right of possessing, enjoying, and disposing of a thing, ownership. It's possession held to one's own right. So in order for it to be property, it must be owned by the account holder, but it's not. See, a person's social media space is not owned by them. It's owned by the social media company. Now, that a company effectively rents space on their system in exchange for access to the data and activity of the users. Now, just as the renter of an apartment has the legal authority to determine who may enter said apartment, the user of a social media platform has the right to determine who may enter and participate in their virtual space. Which brings us to the idea of the right to petition. See, like any other right, our, our right to petition comes with, well, certain responsibilities for the consequences of how we go about doing this. See, in both of these cases, government officials claim that the other party abused their right to petition. From Link versus Freed, we read, in 2020, petitioner Kevin Link posted disparaging remarks on Freed's personal Facebook page. Freed deleted Link's comments and blocked Link from the page. Link sued, claiming Freed violated his constitutional rights under the First Amendment. Then from O'Connor Ratcliffe versus Garnier, we read, Petitioners, two elected members of the Poway Unified School District Board of Trustees, used personal Facebook and Twitter accounts to communicate with the public about their jobs and the district uh, and the district respondents, parents of children attending schools in the district, spam petitioners' posts and tweets with repetitive comments and replies. So petitioners blocked respondents from the accounts. Which I think blink brings us to the real crux of the matter. You see, in both cases, one party is a government employee who used their quote-unquote private social media account to communicate with the public about matters related to their job. Now, apparently, neither government that employed these people actually had any control over the social media accounts in question. Uh, to me, the only way to determine if the actions were public or private is to determine whether these government actors were using their private accounts to conduct government business, and if so, to what extent would that limit their control over the accounts? Let's step away from the, the, the social media question. Let's look at this from a different point of view. Say a government official occasionally uses his private vehicle when conducting public business. Now, while they are doing so, you could reasonably require that they follow government regulations. 
For example, if the official was using their private vehicle in a public parade, they could not deny certain people from approaching while others were given full access. In a similar way, they could not deny access to public information they posted on their private pages, especially if that was the primary way of communicating with the public. However, unlike a private vehicle, access to a social media content is not limited to specific posts. You either have access to a view, uh, to view and, and comment, or you don't. So it's not exactly a, a, a perfect analogy, but it does show the problem. See, to me, the real problem is not the blocking of specific accounts by government actors, but the mixing of public and private data on a platform not fully within the control of the account holder. So if social media platforms cannot be the public square and account holders can determine who is allowed to access their information, we seem to have a legal quandary. Can government actors hide or otherwise deny access and commentary to content simply by placing it on a quote-unquote private social media account? Once the government actor places official material on their private account, is that account still private? Then there's the question of the consequences for those people who abuse their right to petition the government for a reader's agreements via social media. Now, there are several conclusions I think we can come to from this discussion. First, treating social media as a public area is not only legally dubious, but very, very dangerous. Since the social media companies themselves can determine whether or not a person is allowed to access or an account on their platform, they effectively have veto power over access to information from government actors and the ability to comment on them. If we make social media platforms a new public square, we effectively are allowing government to take them over. Under the Fifth Amendment, would that be a takings or a deprivation of property without due process of law? Furthermore, does posting information on a private social media account allow government actors to unilaterally deny access to said information without any due process? Would placing data on a private social media account violate any freedom of information laws? Do you see how complicated and dangerous this public square view of social media is? There's a lot more to this case. It's just recently been heard by the Supreme Court. So it's going to take a while before we actually get any feedback from the court. Now, could all this been avoided by a simple act by the state and local governments requiring government business only be performed on government accounts? Maybe with an exception for a post on a private account that points to the publicly available information. Perhaps what we really need here is a separation of social media and state. Now, I don't know how many of you would have thought of it that way, but this, you know, I keep pointing out when people talk about social media being the, the new public square, it is not. It cannot. And it'd be very dangerous to try and make it so. So maybe we need to think about the justice of, of uh, taking over private property and making it public simply because some people access it. Or, or the dangers of turning private accounts into or I should say turning uh, social media, you know, private systems into a, a public venue. There's a lot there. It's the type of thing we think about and we discuss, not just on the Constitution study, but especially in the Patriots program. And the Patriots is an invitation-only program that uh, deals with things like education, communication, and activation, not to replace what people are already doing, but to 
to enhance it, to give people training and tools to better do whatever it is they do, whether it's social media or or whatever their 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 prime motivation is. You can find out more. Go to constitutionstudy.com slash patriots. Uh, there's information about how to get an invitation. You have to, to pa- take the boot camp and pass the test, and you'll get an invitation to join us as we continue to, to build and construct this Patriots program and help people uh, defend and assert their rights. Now, I have to take a break before I go, though. Um, you know, one thing you need to stay healthy is a good night's sleep. Now, there are a lot of supplements that, that can help if you're having a problem sleeping, but some of the ones based on, on hormones, well, they can have a disruptive effect on your body. That's why the wellness company came up with Restful Sleep. It is a natural ingredients designed to calm the mind, to reduce stress, so you get a better, more restful night's sleep without worrying about hormones. It's gluten-free, it's vegetarian, it's manufactured right here in the U.S. of A. It's backed by documented research and vetted by the chief medical board of the wellness company. And you can find out more by going to americaoutloud.shop. But basically, if you go to twc.health, the wellness company, the, twc for the wellness company.health, and you use the code OUTLOUD, you'll get 25% off their products and off your first month of membership. So check it out. Go to americaoutloud.shop, go to twc.health. If you want, if you're interested, Try their products, try their membership, but use that code out loud. It lets them know that you listen to America Out Loud. And as a thank you, you get 25% off your products and off your first month of membership. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. Welcome. 
welcome back, everyday Americans, to rejoin the Constitution study. And today, well, we're talking about the crumbling sense of justice. I was talking in the first segment a lot about the um, a couple of cases involving social media and, and whether or not uh, you know it could be used to censor information, including government information. But I want to kind of look at some others. See, one of the things we know, we have to keep in mind, or at least I try to keep in mind is that a lot of what we see is probably a small minority, but that small minority has influence. Because what used to be considered, well, don't worry about it, it's just a small minority, we don't, has turned into much more mainstream. And in fact, this idea of um, teams, right? donkeys versus elephants, and the hatred, the animosity one has towards the other has become not simply uh, more visible, I think it's really become, I don't want to simply say dangerous. Dangerous not simply because, well, they, they might resort to violence, but dangerous because think of not just the polluting of the mind, but the polluting of society with, I can I can justify anything because that party is, is evil. Uh, for example, I believe this is Arlington, Virginia, uh, this is Election Day, Arlington, Virginia, and you have a poll greeter who is outside the poll. He's a legal distance away from the poll. And if people are going in to vote, apparently he's asking them, would you like a Republican sample ballot? Well, let's just say that one of the visitors did not think about the justice of allowing an opposing party to uh, actually communicate with people. Now, I had to edit this fairly heavily because of this gentleman's language, and, and he kept coming in and out of, uh, of uh, uh, microphone range. So, But the, the, it is cleaned up for what I would consider <laughs> family consumption. You might, have been, might as well have been walking up to my head on the way to the polling station, putting a gun in my head, trying to tell me not to vote. You expect me to not take, take that fucking personally? All right, let's start there. Um, this this person, I can't call him a gentleman because he doesn't act very gentlemanly, uh, claims that uh, the person outside the polls tried to steal an election with violence. I will admit there were there were some people that pushed through their their way into the Capitol, but does he know that this person did it? Or is he simply painting with a broad brush? You know, it's funny, he talks about trying to take away his right to vote when he's the one saying, you shouldn't have the right to even be present. How dare a Republican actually be allowed to be in front of a polling place and possibly influence someone to vote in an election? Try to overthrow elections with violence, and then you're out here among decent people. Thanks for what coming out there. What do you have to say, that, huh? What and what's on your fucking what's on your fucking uh, uh, your what are your policy prescriptions? So again, we have the assumption say, oh, you you tried to overthrow an election with violence. Um, never saying, wait a second, we were questioning the outcome of the election. We were questioning if the election was properly conducted. That's no, you just tried to overthrow. Now, when the the, the there were massive demonstrations. When Trump won, oh, that wasn't trying to overthrow an election. That was pointing out how how evil it was. But I, I like the fact that this this Republican poll greeter uh, seems to to remain calm in in front of this tirade. But uh, it it goes on. Have a nice day. You've already been rapist rights. Yeah, involving is... yourself in people's fucking families and their fucking bedrooms. It's pretty wild. Fucking animal. 
and, and again, here we see a name. We just result to name calling. We can't have an argument, a discussion. We, 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 we it's all name calling. Now he's an animal because he, they call it racist, racist rights. Um, what racist rights? Just show me what racist rights do the Republicans support? Getting rid of affirmative action, which is inherently a racist program. Treating people equally, saying you don't get a special, uh, uh, special dispensation simply because you're you're black or or you're or you're Indian or you're Mexican. Now, these insults, these this tirade goes on for a while, but then something interesting happens, and and I want to jump to that. I want to subject you to the rest of this this irrational reaction. Another person walks by, heading for the polls. The poll watcher says, "Are you going to vote? Yes. Would you like a Republican sample ballot? No." And the person walks out without being disturbed, except, well, by this, I guess I'd call him an, an unhinged Democratic supporter. You know, try not to be buddy-buddy with these people because they, they put on a, the face of a good neighbor, but they support lynch mobs or the KKK, or they're Bible-beating bigots and freaks. Okay, either this guy's just making stuff up, or he's been listening to the propaganda. I do have not seen a single person, Republican, Democrat, Independent, Green, who supports lynch mobs. But you see, that's, that's, that's how you get people, that's how you shut people down. You claim they're for lynch mobs and you shut people down. But what I find interesting is this man who is trying to deny a political opponent the justice of talking to people, offering them a ballot, is more than willing to slander him in front of his face to another person. Of the two, who, I don't want to say assaulted, but who disrupted the gentleman who's trying to go in to vote? It wasn't the Republican poll watcher. It was this unhinged Democratic supporter who could not abide the idea of a Republican trying to win a vote. How can you claim to be for justice if you're going to deny your political opponent, well, the very right to inf to try and... and um, influence people. This is how I would like you to vote. This is the information. I'd like to give you information, but that's not allowed. And we see this at many other levels. You remember, um, uh, was it Mark Houck? Yeah, he was the, the, uh, um, the, the, the pro-life demonstrator that got uh, swatted, got arrested, had, had, had he not simply, I mean, not simply arrested. He was raided by the FBI for defending his son from a, 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 an argumentative um, pro-abortion uh, uh, pro um, activ activist, I think it was actually working uh, for the, the abortion center. A case that was thrown out of court, but at the local level, he was attacked by the, by the Department of Justice. And interesting enough, now he and his wife have filed a lawsuit against the Department of Justice. The complaint not only talks about the trauma to the family, but um, that the, the DOJ used excessive force that they led to trauma, not only to Mr. Houck and his wife, but to their, their children. And this is not the only example of the, the Department of Justice going all you know, overboard to intimidate people and to do it publicly. All they had to do was send a car, knock on the door. Uh, Mr. Hug, we have a, 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 a warrant for your arrest. Would you come with us, please? But no, they show up with, um, they show up with officers, with, with agents with 
with rifles and body armor and enforce and make a point of perp-walking him in front of his neighbors. This is not justice. If they thought they had a case, justice would have, again, been to say, um, hey, Mr. Hauk, how about just contacting his attorney and saying, uh, we have a, a warrant for his arrest. Can you arrange to have him turn himself in uh, within the next you know, three days or whatever? No. And in fact, part of the lawsuit says that the um, the stress has actually led to, that they claim, um, to, to miscarriages. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's going to hold up. But just the idea of, hey, guess what? Um, if you defend your son from a, um, an aggressive person, but you happen to be in front of a, 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 a pro-abortion an abortion center, well, you get raided by the FBI. If it was a pro, if the ex exactly reverse, it was a pro-life center, do you really think the FBI would have shown up? How about this? The, the, now the Treasury Department's involved. How many of you have seen the, the, the movie Police State? It's a documentary by Dinesh D'Souza and um, Dan Bongino. And by the way, yes, I am trying to get somebody associated with the movie to come talk to us here, but uh, I haven't been successful yet. But apparently, um, the the U.S. Treasury Department, they say intercepted, they stopped a payment for an ad campaign for the documentary. See, the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network of the Department of the Treasury stopped a $106,000 payment to purchase ads for the film. Uh, what are the financial crimes in purchasing ads for the film? It's not. It's a question of, well, we don't like what you're saying here, and this certainly seems like injustice. But I have to wonder how many people, A, uh, you know, have, know this has happened, B, are simply being denied access to know that the film exists. I've watched the film. It, 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 it's... I don't, and we use the word powerful way too often. It, it is somewhat scary to consider where we are going. And now you have the federal government saying, we're going to interfere with the advertising simply because, what, we consider a criminal to advertise a, a, a movie that makes us look bad? Or, or what about uh, the political influencer in New Jersey, a guy by the name of George Norcross, who was thrown out of a game, he had a luxury suite, at the game between the Eagles and the and the Cowboys, and he was thrown out. Was it because he was he was being drunk and disorderly? No. Was he fighting? No. He hung a flag out out the window that was half American, half Israeli. Now, after the NFL went out of its way to kiss the backside of Black Lives Matter, you can't have something that says Israel and the United States we will stay together. See, that's the lack of justice. I can say what I want. You're not allowed to say what you want. What do you want? Whether that's to, to demonstrate outside of a, a, an abortion center or simply to show support for Israel after they had been attacked by Hamas. And I'm not saying Israel's perfect. And I'm not saying that Hamas might not have some legitimate claims. But the answer to a political problem is not to murder babies. And it's not to, to kidnap innocent people. It's not to destroy whole families. And it's certainly not to go out and silence the other. 
Victoria Ruiz. She was a uh, she was was a public defender in New York City. She resigned. Do you know why? Well, she was caught tearing down posters of Israeli hostages, according to the New York Post. She's seen on video ripping down a poster on a city pole of Israelis who were taken hostage by Hamas and the October 7th attack. Now, that video got shared on Twitter, and uh, apparently now she's decided to step down. Because the last thing you can do in an uh, in a in a society in today's society is allow the other side to speak. That is the definition of injustice. The people who put up those, as long as those posters are put up legally, if the property owner has no problem with it, if it's on public property, then what you know you have no right to dis, to uh, deny that to the other side. But I'm sure she didn't think what she was doing was unjust, but it was. And now she's been caught, and now she stepped down for the political reasons. But just think of a society that says, we will not allow the images that contradict our own. Whether they be a movie, whether that be a flag at a football game, whether that be posters of people taken hostage. I remember during the hostage crisis in, was it, 79, there were posters with the pictures of hostages. But no, you can't do that today. See what I mean about what was once considered a fringe idea has now become mainstream because the people we hear keep reinforcing this idea? See, I don't think that the majority of Americans um, would support the idea of tearing down these posters. But I have to wonder, if if this is the, the act of a public defender, are these... are, are are children being taught this in school? Are our students being taught this in colleges and universities? Are we being indoctrinated with this idea as it gets as it gets either it gets talked about in one situation and it gets hidden in another situation? Justice means even you know, justice means I may vehemently disagree with what you had to say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. That's why I, I said. Um, the, the people who are pro we don't, I don't say they don't have their right to peaceably assemble, to freely speak and publish their ideas. In fact, I want them to. I want people to see just how evil these people, what the, the evil these people are supporting. But if we're going to have justice, it must work both ways. The people who are on the other side must have exactly the same access. And that's, we're losing that faster than you can imagine. That's being lost in America. Uh, uh, five years ago, you might have had stuff torn down. Five years ago, you would have had people throwing up football games. But five years ago, you would not have had the DOJ coming after them with SWAT teams, with heavily armored in force demonstra demonstrations of force. That's what those are. And if we don't do something about it, what's going to happen next? If in just a few years we went from um, grumbling disagreement to active uh, vandalism, what happens next? You see, we may sit back and say, oh, it's just here, and oh, it's just there, and we ignore the growing storm. That's the problem. If we deal with these problems when they're small, 
They're easy to deal with. We let them grow into metastasized cancers. Listen, you want to have a different uh, point of view when it comes to politics? Be my guest. You, you want to think that you know, January 6th was a violent insurrection? You're allowed to think that. But you want to deny the other side their rights because of that? That's a problem. You think Israel is the aggressor? That's fine. When you deny people the ability to, to provide contrary data, that's not. And we will not have justice until the American people learn not just that, that fact, but are willing to stand up to defend it. Now, I have to take a break. Before I do, though, please join me by going to AmericaOutloud.news every day for news and information. It's more important than ever that we take these stories, these ideas, and that we share them. We expose what's going on. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how we secure the blessings of liberty. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. The Natural Colon Cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with Oxy Powder. It's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas, bloating, and occasional constipation. There's a reason why Oxy Powder is our number one seller. It worked. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus-hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You have rejoined the Constitution study. Today we're, we're talking about the crumbling sense of justice in America. We've looked at examples from government actors. We've looked at examples from private individuals. We've looked at a lot. But I want to take some time because there's a lot going on in Tennessee, my newly adopted, my adopted home state, and uh, one of which I've been trying to get more involved in 
is this move that this investigation by the Tennessee legislature to basically reject federal education funds. Apparently, the state of Tennessee gets about $1.8 billion in federal education funds. The uh, legislator created a legislation, legislature created a working group, and I've been trying to get, I want to testify in front of this group because they're looking at it saying, does it make sense? Um, to take, you know, to, are we taking federal money, you know, versus the regulations that go with it? And uh, it, I bring that up because, again, I'm interested. I've reached out to, um, to the, the the two gentlemen that are kind of leading this, um, Mr. Sexton, who's a speaker of the Tennessee House, uh, the Lieutenant Governor, who's the uh, spe- who is the um, was the president of the Tennessee Senate. And I haven't heard back from them yet, but I want to talk because it's this idea of um, I don't want people to get the wrong idea. Hey, you'd be crazy not to accept free money, except this money isn't free. By the way, it's also unconstitutional. So keep that in mind. But there's more. See, remember several months ago, we had this this horrendous mass murder in Nashville. And uh, this mass murder had a couple of unique points. Um, one, the shooter was a woman. She was a female, which is pretty rare. Most of these uh, mass murders are actually committed by men. Uh, then we found out, oh, she's transgender, so she's a woman, but she thinks she's a guy. So, of course, that brought up all sorts of questions. And then we find out, oh, by the way, oh, and one great one thing, the Me- uh, Metro Nashville Police Department dealt with the situation very, very well. Um, they were they responded quickly, they responded efficiently, and yes, it ended up costing this person their life. Um that person we found was had some some issues, mental disturbance issues, but we also found out that she had released a manifesto. So we like, oh, okay, well we'll see the manifesto. We'll see if we can get some idea of why this person tried to, uh, wanted to kill um, students in her former school. Well, except they kept hiding the, the man- it was like, play- they played, hide the manifesto. First it was Metro Nashville. Then it was the Tennessee uh, Bureau of Investigations. Then it was the FBI. And all these kept coming up with reasons why, well, we can't do it now, and, and we can't do it now. And then we found out that uh, several of the parents did not want this released, and, and the school didn't want it released, and it just brought up a lot of what's going on here. Now, on the one hand, I'm not looking to promote the rantings of this person, but I, it would be interesting to get an insight into what led to this. Well, guess what? Last week, Stephen Crowder apparently got three pages of the manifesto. I, I don't know why it was only three, um, but they got he, he got three and he rather quickly. Um, made it known. He he published it. He um, well, it was claimed that he leaked it. Um, that may not be right. He got it may have been leaked to him, but he claims he had this. And of course, there was a lot of questions: Is it real? Is it fake? Um, is this a stunt? Um, YouTube, by the way, censored any content involving the shooter's quote unquote manifesto. Um, which again. They're a private company. They have the right to do that. I find it interesting that they've censored this manifesto, but 
but not others. It makes me wonder, why is this big push to do that? Now, the the National Police Department said they don't know where. They originally stated that uh, they didn't know where the documents came from. They did eventually confirm that these are accurate documents. That they they are uh, these these are real. These are not fake. Uh, apparently, um, apparently they were leaked by a Facebook fact checker. Now I find it interesting because. Facebook has censored the leak copy, but the, uh, apparently, yes, it, it was a "quote unquote" fact checker that uh, that released this 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 information. Now, from what I've, I actually haven't read the manifesto myself, uh, uh, only because I haven't been able to get my hands on it. I've well, I've gotten is, is bits and pieces that other people have talked about, but apparently, this person was deeply disturbed. According to uh, Mr. Crowder, uh, she ref- the she referred to um, was it March twenty seventh, I think, when she killed those people as as her death day. She referred to people as as crackers and and white privilege. She uh, she said she literally said, "I want to kill all you little crackers." She hoped she had a high death count. She goes, "I hope my she goes, I'm ready. I hope my victims aren't." This these are the rantings of a of a disturbed person. And sadly, she took the opportunity to, um, well, to express that, to do so violently. Now, I don't know what the these children supposedly had done to her, um, but there's enough of a rant from what I've, the, the snippets I've seen of a potentially disturbed person that it, it tells me that... Um, you know, all of the, th- think of everything we went through trying to get the, the manifesto. Think of the, the, uh, the, well, the craziness in the Tennessee House when members of the House disrupted the session to push for gun control. It wouldn't have helped here. This person was disturbed and, well, nobody did anything about it. And in fact, even when there was evidence of her being disturbed, and let's face it, um, transgenderism is a mental problem. Your body is your body. You may not like it. You may want to dress differently. You may want to act differently. But if you think you're changing your body by getting an operation or taking some drugs, um, you're not changing the basis of who you are. So what? The, if anything, this shows me that this person was disturbed and didn't get help, which means my focus shouldn't be on the tool she used to commit these crimes, but the fact that she needed help and and didn't get any, and the question that um, the, the question that keeps coming to mind is, did she not get some of the help because there's a political arrangement that says, well, we're going to treat certain people differently because they claim to be transgender, and therefore you you couldn't possibly say. That that you know that, that that that's a mental issue, and you know you have to discount any mental issues that run around. I don't know, right? I'm I'm being blunt. I don't know. So far, all that's confirmed is that um, the person who committed these crimes was certainly mentally disturbed, and the fact that so many people use that to promote a political agenda that simply denies the language of both the Tennessee and the United States Constitution 
means we're not dealing with justice. We're dealing with emotions and agendas. And that's kind of a sad situation. And while we're talking about emotions and agendas, well, recently, Ohio passed a constitutional amendment to enshrine abortion in their constitution. Now, while I think that's a bad decision, while I, if I lived in Ohio, I would have been on the other side of the, of the argument, I would have voted uh, against it. The, the one thing I've seen so far is the people who are expressing why they voted. In other words, there are people who voted against it because, well, they see abortion as murder. You're, you're killing uh, a person in the womb, an unborn child. Others voted for uh, art, uh, issue one, as it was known, because, well, they basically worship abortion. Any abortion for any reason at any time is, is seems to be their, their, their god, their idol. Others came somewhere in the middle. And the reason I bring it up from a question of justice, I, while I disagree with the outcome, I, I'm glad to see people having this discussion and debate. I, I, I merely wish that in the discussion and debate about justice, more people would have taken consideration of the child in the womb. You know, it, it's it's funny. A lot of people claim, and I've, I've trust me, I've had a lot of people, you know, pointing at me, going, complaining, saying, "That's not a person. It's not a person." It, it, except if you actually go to, uh, oh, I don't know, definitions. See, if I go to Webster's eighteen twenty eight dictionary. I see that a person is an individual human being consisting of a body and soul. You say, okay, Paul, but that's 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 1828. That's that's old. I'm sure that's not the current definition of um of a of a person, except the modern Miriam Webster dictionary online defines a person as human, a, a, an individual. So while much of the discussion, especially on the pro-abortion side, had to deal with what was just for the mother, there was much less discussion about what is just for the child. And that, to me, is, is a concern. Now, the other concern I have is the millions of dollars that apparently out-of-state uh, um, people were sending to Ohio to promote the, um, the abortion issue, the issue, issue one. See, according to NBC4, um, the Ohioans United for Reproductive Rights, which is a pro-abortion group, they received $39.2 million this year, at least through middle October, to promote this uh, uh, agenda. What I found interesting, though, is how much money came from outside of Ohio. Uh, for example, the 1630 Fund, a group out of Washington, D.C., uh, donated uh, $5.3 million. George Soros' Open, Policy, Open Society Policy Center, they donated $3.5 million. Um, the ACLU donated $2.2 million. The Fairness Project, $1.5 million. Planned Parenthood Action Fund was $1.5 million. Even New York billionaire Michael Bloomberg donated a donated million dollars to this. Now, to me, that seems a lot like using money to place the thumb on the scales of justice. 
So what can we do? What what can we do to help shore up the 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 sense of of justice? Well, I think there's a lot of little things we can do, and they will add up. Uh, for example, the the, the 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 Virginia poll worker or poll uh, greeter, he was kind. He was polite. He did not confront because you're not going to change the mind of somebody as bigoted and prejudiced as the one he was encountering. So I think part of it we have to understand who it are who it is we are talking to. We we can't simply you know light off on somebody because they disagree with us. I think we need to support those who I think are searching for uh, justice and honor, like the way I'm trying to help um, the Tennessee legislature look at the the education funding issue. It's also maybe we should look at the the funding of the. Uh, uh, Ohio uh, abortion issue. But I think the biggest thing we need to do is to first look at ourselves and ask, do our positions support justice? In other words, are we are we giving to the other side what is their due? See, part of the crumbling of justice is this idea that I believe has been entrenched in so many of our young people for generations that they have a right to shut down the other side. They have the right to not hear anything that contradicts their, their assumptions. They have the right to be considered right, as incorrect. But that's not justice. And that certainly doesn't lead to liberty, freedom, or tranquility. It leads to a lot of contention, a lot of yelling, a lot of name-calling. I think we need to spend more time considering how we treat others. We can disagree with others without violating their just their right to justice. I think when we start placing rights and liberty and justice above whatever our political agenda is, yes, does it mean we may lose some things? You know what? We were probably going to lose them anyway. But I'm not willing to defend the rights of others. Why should I expect anybody else to defend my rights? I think we need to look at it as a priority. And I'd also point out, if we want to be the land of the free, we must be the home of the brave. We must be brave enough to stand on justice, to construct our arguments as justice. In other words, not, not, not simply deriding people because they disagree with us, but building an argument that I can show the justice of my position and my cause. And if I change someone else's mind, great. If not, I probably wasn't going to change them anyway. To quote John Quincy Adams, we must see that the duty to seek justice, in this case, is ours. Remember, he spent 17 years trying to abolish the slave trade, to bring justice to the slave in America. He spent 17 years failing and asked why he kept doing it. He said, the duty is ours, the results are God's. See, the thing about justice is you do what is right because it is right, and let justice come from that. Let's stop putting adjectives in front of justice. Let's stop trying to shove justice in some corner that 
agrees with our position, let's just let let us let justice be just plain justice. There's no guarantee that justice will will prevail, but there's a guarantee it won't unless we the people stand up for it. I hope you'll come back and join us here for the Constitution Study every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio Network. If you can't listen then, that's okay. All the episodes go to podcasts generally a day or two after they're heard on the radio. You can listen with your favorite podcast app, but please subscribe to the show. Leave it a rating and a review, especially on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the Constitution Study as well. You can find all the links you need at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. But I ask you, share them. Part of justice means sharing information. See, by sharing the things that lead to those blessings of liberty, you actually are sharing the blessings of liberty. Liberty. 